and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. Today we celebrate one of the great, great icons in the history of the Russian Church, and that is the uh, Kirksrud icon of the sign. We have of the sign in the back of the altar. And of course, also on that that icon that has all the icons of the Mother of God, and of the sign uh, or the Kirksrud icon. The reason it's called the Kirksrud icon because in that region near Novgorod, there was uh, there was a, an invasion taking place amongst there was an invasion taking place amongst uh, the um, Tartars were invading and they were trying to take control and <laughs> prayer was made and this icon was discovered at the root of a tree in a forest and uh, of course it helped deter the invasion and it also helped in other invasions as well but it, it the mother of God liked that particular spot where this icon resided for a, for a long time. And so it became wonder-working and many, many miracles have taken place as a result of it. And uh, we're always just uh, amazed sometimes that these miracles take place. That myrrh can gush forth from an icon that's made of wooden paint. Even ones that have been made of just laminated with with glue and paper. There have been icons of that that have gushed forth myrrh or have become healing icons like the quick to hear icon or the joy of all who sorrow which is famous for healing as well. We're um, we, we sometimes amazed at the power and the, and the breath and the love of the mother of God in our life even. How she can soften our hearts how she can soften our hearts. She can help us be, you know, be calmer. She can help us be not be less negative. She can help us in so many ways. And really, to soften our hearts is the goal. Because you know, when you're baptized and chrismated, you have the fullness of the church inside of you, and then it's up to you whether or not it's going to develop and grow, or whether you're just going to stay hard-hearted and, and tough on the outside and have like this sort of armor around you that's not real. And some people use their abilities, their wit, their, um, their, uh, abil inab their inability to be warm and to be loving, to be kind, to be gentle, to be a listening soul who listens to another person as much as they want to hear their own voice resounding, banging in their head all the time, to actually take the moment to listen to another person, to listen maybe to what the grief that's in their heart. Maybe you pick up on something that is grief or even joyful. I'll give you an example. We were up at St. Catherine's Monastery, and many people here know Lazarus and Exenia and their two children. They were baptized here uh, out in the parking lot of our old place when we were having services out there. 
I mean, and that was a miracle unto itself that he's still alive because he, they were going to replace the chamber, inner chamber of his heart on that Monday after he got baptized. And when he went to the doctor, the doctor couldn't even believe that he was walking around. And so he actually had to do an eight-hour operation of which Lazarus survived. And on your, in the heart. A very, very amazing, miraculous thing. While I was talking to the two of them, and I looked at his wife, I guess the fullness of her face, and I said, you're going to have another baby. And she is. She's going to have another baby. Very open, very loving, very warm. They sit there, guest, their guest uh, master is at the monastery right now, and that's kind of what they'll be doing probably the rest of their life. And their kids will be raised there, and they'll have this life of growing up in a monastery and being a part of a church that's just down the road as well. And to have the warmth and fullness of that warmth radiating from them at all times, the fullness of the miracle, the healing that took place in Lazarus's life. And now they, he's going to have a third child. So it's an amazing story to me as well, a miraculous thing, something that God could only do, not something that we can do. So God, on the Sabbath day, was in the synagogue. He was in the synagogue, and there was a woman. She wasn't just sort of bent over. She was bent over, so her head was like, her face was constantly looking at the ground. She could not lift her head. For 18 years, she was like that. I can't even imagine 18 minutes like that, let alone 18 years. And again, like the woman with an issue of blood, she went to doctors, she went around looking for a way to heal it, but there was no way to heal it. I don't know if you've ever met someone who is sort of stuck in this position. I have. We have met several over the years. As people get older, they get down and further and further, and they can, and looking up gets harder and harder. It's just a very difficult sometimes. Gravity really pours a, plays a great part in all of this. So on this day, which was a Sabbath day, which you're not supposed to do any work or labor in the Jewish uh, law, Jesus walks over and puts his hand on her, and she immediately stands up. And, of course, the person who said, well, you're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath day, and then Jesus calls him out and says, well, you would boost an ox or an ass and let them, to lead them to water on, the, on, a, on, a, uh, on a Sabbath day? Isn't this a daughter of Abraham worthy of that, even on a Sabbath day? And they were sort of shamed by their hardness of heart, that which is what I started this talk with, hardness of heart. Sometimes we just get such logic bound in our minds, in our hearts, in our souls. We can't think outside of a certain area. We just simply stay locked in and we're just, this is it, you know, type of thing. Although we don't know it. We don't know that that's taking place in us. We just know that the way that sometimes maybe the way we react about situations, the way we look at situations, instead of being fluid and warm and loving, more like water, we are more like a, a stiff rock or a, a tree that grows up with a big, you know, 
you know, the, uh, the idea is that if you've ever been to San Francisco and you look along the coast, they have trees. And because the wind blows constantly on those trees, they grow in a certain direction. But they're able to grow in a certain direction. There's a flexibility about that that it really works. But if you had a huge oak tree in that same place that only could be straight up and tall, it would not be able to be flexible. It could not bend very well. And it would break, it probably would, would, would break in half and, and fall to the ground. So flexibility in our life is really a good thing. Flexibility not in a weak way, in a weak way, flexible and yet in earnest to the principles of God who loves everyone and loves us. So this idea of judging this person because they were healing on a Sabbath day, well, then that got explained in a way because, well, they, they, they were holding to the law, they were trying to be faithful to that, but they were missing, the what I say, the forest for the trees. They couldn't see what was really important here. And so quite often that is the state of affairs for us. We don't really see what's important before us or what is really important in our life. Because the most important thing in our life is that we stay connected to Jesus Christ in all things. Every problem that I hear about him through confession, I will guarantee you every problem can be solved in him. Recently I've been undertaking, um, I, was, I was learning from Mother Catherine, she uh, practices in her monastery a simple, the simplified rule of St. Seraphim of Seraph. So they read, they read the midnight office in the morning and they read comp, co small compline at night and then they read this extra section that is connected to St. Seraphim of Seraph. And we were able, to, the whole time we were there last week, we were able to be there and to pray those prayers with, with her and Sister Tatiana, a novice that's there with her now. And it was just, I mean, I'm used to doing, you know, like long services, matins and vespers and big vigils and all that. But to just simply, like anyone would, stand up before your icon corner and to pray in earnest these prayers that apparently St. Seraphim of Seraph found very a good way to be. And so one of the things that they do at the, when they get to the end of the service, they start reading uh, the morning prayers, and then they read the, the Our Father three times, then they read the Mary full of grace, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, for thou was born Christ, the deliverer and savior of our souls. They read that, they read, they do that two times, and then they read Psalm 26, 50, and 90. And they assured me, and she assured me that it, it definitely helps fight against those things that come at us in a way that we don't, we're not really prepared for, the demons. The demons don't like those particular Psalms at all. 26, and the, and the Septuagint, uh, Septuagint Psalter is 26 in the 20, 26, 50, and 90. In the King James Version, it's 27, uh, 51, and 91. But the, and I learned this actually from Tamar and other Russians as well, that Psalm 90 was an important psalm to say every day, just to say, when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, to say Psalm 90. 
And I thought at the time that that was a very simplistic way of thinking of things, which I now I'm ashamed to say that see they were right. You, you know, it can really help us. It can really be, because it keeps our mind focused on in a state of repentance and not in a state of glorifying or being angry or being whatever it is, whatever passion comes our way. So it's important that we take time in our life to, in the morning. Give yourself 45 minutes in the morning if you can. Wake up earlier. You know, I mean, you don't have to. I'm not saying making it a rule. Now you all have to have one hour reading and one hour at night, one hour in the morning. It's not a rule. It's just a suggestion to say that if we actually wake up just a tad earlier, we say these prayers, and we say them with, say them as we go out throughout the day, we will feel the protection and the blessing of God in our life in a way that maybe we haven't before. And so it's, I think it's important to have a prayerful, uh, prayerful uh, practice. You know, it's the one thing that can keep us free and keep us uh, free from the devil and free from his influence and keep us in a more balanced position of love and pray, prayer and fasting. Especially with fasting, because we're in a fasting time. We're in a time when you're supposed to stay away from milk, meat, eggs, dairy, except on weekends you can have fish, wine, and oil. It goes very quickly, you know, the Advent fast. It's only 40 days. The, uh, the Lenten fast is much stricter, and it's 56 days, all in all. So, this is a 40-day fast. It ends on Christmas, January, January 7th, and uh, which is the 25th, for those of you who don't know. Uh, the 25th is the 7th in our calendar. And we, um, and we will feel much, much better about our participation in the Nativity service if we have practiced fasting as a strict rule. Well, you, you, we can make all kinds of reasons why we don't fast, but if you use these psalms and you use this prayer rule, throughout the day, maybe it'll help you avoid milk in your coffee or something else, you know, cheese on your burrito or something. You know, I mean, maybe it'll help you just stay the course of the 40-day fast and you'll be able to uh, muster the courage to, to live without these, uh, these gratuities that, that we think we, we deserve or need in our life sometimes. So it's important that of course, we practice forgiveness. It's important, of course, that we try to look deeper, try to see more beyond what the surface of a situation is. Like the ruler of the synagogue, he was just looking at it in a practical way. Like, why are you doing this work on a Sabbath? It's a Sabbath day, you're not supposed to work. And yet, he understood, I believe, after, after the Lord pointed out to him that, yes, it's okay to heal on the Sabbath. Yes, it's okay to be loving and kind. And he, his vision went from being very closed to much more open. He could see better. You know, it, it's funny because when Elder Ephraim was alive in this world, I mean, he's alive, but when he was in this world from St. Anthony's Monastery, I have friends who went to, who've gone to, gone to confession to him and they would start their confession, and he would finish it. Their sins. He would be. He would recount their sins before them. And these are priests that are that I know well. And 
you could tell that because he was living in obedience to God, because he was living in the grace of the Holy Spirit, because God had granted him that gift, you could say that um, he could see into their soul. He could see into their heart. He could see into their actions. So there was nothing that they had ever done that could be hidden from him because he could see, God gave him the ability to see that. And we call that the blessing of the Holy Spirit, you know, because that's what you want in your life. You want to understand that God sees everything. He knows exactly what you've done or what you haven't done. If you've been lazy, if you've been slothful, if you've been gluttonous or whatever, he knows everything. So you come, when you come to confession, you don't have to worry about it because God will bless you and forgive you all those sins that he knows that you've committed already. And so that's the way it is when our sight opens and we can see more clearly, then we're able to be more compassionate and loving and kind and, and give blessing to each soul we encounter throughout the day. Well, may God give each of us the strength to, to continue in this fasting period, to be obedient to what the church teaches, and to love everyone we meet, and to be sharing and giving and kind to everyone. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever.